Welcome to Chris Black, the podcast. I'm your host, Chris Black, and this is my podcast. It's the show about everything, and of course, I just make it up as I go along. But boy, do I have a gem dandy of a show for you today. We'll start off with some crazy headlines starting here in Alabama. Then we'll take a trip all the way back to the fourth grade. I'll update you on a few things going on around here. And finally, I'll share with you a strange new set of outdoor series that I discovered completely by accident. Also, you'll hear another legend from the greatest decade ever, which of course is the 80s. And just for fun, I quiz my 14-year-old about terms often heard in the 1980s. All this and more on today's episode of Chris Black, the podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get started with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the monologue, and today is going to be a series of stories that kind of speak to the insanity of our country these days. So we're actually going to start um, in our own backyard here in the beautiful state of Alabama. So uh, Casey White, the inmate who escaped with an Alabama jail correction officer, um, was indicted on first-degree murder charges in connection to her death, according to the Lauderdale County Circuit Court documents. The escape kicked off an 11-day manhunt that ended with e- in Evansville, Indiana, where Casey White and Vicki White, no relation, led authorities on a high-speed chase before their vehicle crashed. Once they approached the vehicle, Vicki White had a single gunshot wound to the head. Now, um, at the time of his escape, Casey White was actually serving a 75-year prison sentence for a crime spree in 2015 that included a home invasion, carjacking, and a police chase. So... He shouldn't have been out to start with uh, in any shape, form, or fashion, much less been helped to get out and do it again by a corrections officer. Now, I know this sounds crazy, but I've long said that women have no business in male correction facilities and vice versa. It's kind of just a recipe for trouble, in my opinion. But over the years, the cries of the woke saying, it's not fair, have pushed for this ridiculous narrative that everything must be fair for everyone. And I think in a way, it's kind of set up our society for failure. I mean, case in point. Macy Gray went on Piers Morgan. Though she shared Morgan's stance on supporting trans rights with fairness and equality, uh, she went on to make the statement, I totally agree. I will say this, and everyone's going to hate me. But as a woman, just because you go change your part does not make you a woman. I'm sorry. She continued to basically say if you want me to call you a her I will because that's what you want but that doesn't make you a woman just because I call you a her and just because you had a surgery well apparently her bank account wouldn't allow her to stick with that because that didn't go exactly as planned the woke world stepped up and began to shut her down almost immediately and she began backpedaling quickly saying things like the LGBTQ people are heroes and says she's learned a lot following backlash over Piers Morgan interview where she said changing your parts doesn't make you a woman. This stirs up a lot of controversy in our own nation because we don't take certain things as givens. A great example of that is the controversy of when life begins. Well, we all know, if we took a science class for any length of time, that life begins when an egg is fertilized by sperm. 
that's when it begins. If you're going to allow abortions at 12 weeks, then why not 12 years? Hell, 16, 17-year-olds would probably never make it that far. Kids wouldn't make it that far at all if we allowed abortions just kind of, you know, until they're 18. I mean, where does the insanity begin and end when it comes to this kind of crap? I've never had my mind changed over Facebook posts, but some of the things I've seen written since the Roe v. Wade is ridiculous. I mean, it's just, it's insane to me. There's a picture out there of a little girl, you know, defend Roe. She's probably three or four years old. Her mother is standing next to her with a grimace on her face with a shirt that says, my body is not your incubator. What the hell kind of message are we giving these kids? I mean, it's, and when they grow up and see these pictures, they're going to be confused as hell. Why wouldn't they be? So, you know, it, it brings to mind a quote that I saw the other day, and I thought it was kind of funny because it's true in a lot of ways. It said, we live in a world where intelligent people are being silenced so that stupid people won't be offended. And I think there's a ring of truth to that if you look around. The leader of the free world is reading teleprompter directions in his speech and has done it more than once. At what point as a nation do we have to say enough is enough? We've tossed the keys to plenty of inexperienced drivers, but usually we have enough people with experience to keep things on track. Now it's like a racetrack full of bumper cars and teenage drivers, and each one's worse than the last. I know I can't be the only one that looks around to see these incredible deficiencies in our government and is okay with it. I fear things will get a lot worse before it gets better, but I know that God's in control and he has a plan. I'm not telling you to riot by any stretch, but the next time somebody chooses to say something silly like, I don't know what a man or a woman is, politely educate them on the indoor versus outdoor plumbing theory and hope that maybe just after hearing that, you know, from enough people, they'll say they understand that a person born as a male should not be competing with a female counterpart born as a female. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this, please feel free to do so. Visit the uh, website and uh, leave your comments there. I'd love to hear from you. News. Welcome to a quick little game we like to play called 80s and 80 Seconds. This is where I ask a question about the 80s and see if my 14-year-old son knows the answer. You gotta play? Yeah. Alright, let's get started. What is a collect call? A payphone call that you have to... I'm not, I'm not sure. I think I, it's, I kinda know what it is. Okay, what is a long distance call? It's a call that's long distance that you have to pay extra on your phone before. What is dial-up referring to? Uh, internet. Okay. What does star 69 mean? Uh, I couldn't tell you that one. I actually don't know. Alright, what about TGIF? Thank God it's Friday. Okay. Uh, what was Napster? I, I don't know. What about the D.A.R.E. program? What's that? Uh... It's like when police come to your school and teach you about like how to protect yourself during an active shooter situation or like whatnot. I don't know exactly. Who is Zach Morris? I don't know. <clears throat> what is a burned CD? If you want to put something on a CD, you have to use a CD burner to put what you want on it. What is a fax machine? I, I don't know. What about a walk? It's a radio, not a radio, but it's a CD player, like a portable CD player. And 
Bam, that's the 80s and 80 seconds. Stay tuned for the next segment. Welcome back. It's nine minutes past the top of the hour. And before we go any further, let's talk about the power of the cam coach. The artificial intelligence that you install on your dash that helps coach your fleet of drivers to wear their seatbelts, become more aware of their distractions, and stop using that cell phone. It also records forward and rear facing in the event of an accident, so shield your company and drivers from costly litigation. Visit www.dccicomm.com or call 334-780-1112 and mention podcast for a special offer. You have nothing to lose, so just call today. So have you ever had a life experience that you're kind of like, well, that kind of shifted the way I think a little bit forevermore? Well, take a trip with me. We're going to go back in time. All the way back until the year 1980-something when I was in fourth grade. So, <clears throat> in fourth grade, my teacher's name was Mrs. Roberts. She was pretty cool. Um, and we did a thing in social studies about bartering, which is the trading of goods and so on and so forth. And we had the deal where the, um, you know, you had to pay, ta- we learned how to pay taxes. And Miss um, Harris was actually our social studies teacher. And she, uh, we had a couple lessons regarding like, you know, revenue and things like that. And we also, um, basically we made a scrapbook about the state of Alabama and the history and things of that nature. Well, my first introduction to the entrepreneurial spirit of the world being what it is, was in fourth grade when I decided that I was going to take my school supplies that we had plenty of at home because my parents bought from like Sam's Club at the beginning of the year. They get a gross of pencils and a bunch of, you know, whatever. My mom was also a school teacher, so she bought everything in bulk she'd get away with because she knew we would need it throughout the school year. Well, I decided it would be a good idea to take some of these items, and for people who didn't want to go to the school store, uh, it was raining one day, um, I would sell my products and, you know, a nickel for a pencil or whatever. So, for whatever reason... I remember I needed a pencil to sell to a customer, so I went and bought a pencil for 15 cents from the school store and turned around and had to sell it for the same 15 cents that I paid for it. I'm like, that's stupid. I'll never do that again. So I didn't. All right. So, um, you know, fourth grade comes and goes. We lived in Atmore, Alabama at the time, and then we moved down to uh, the big city of Orlando, actually Kissimmee, which is right outside of Orlando. And um, we had this program called, I can't, I think it was called Achieve or Step Up or something. I can't remember. But anyway, um, this volunteer comes in to teach us about how, you know, the world of, you know, business works essentially. And um, we were in, like, I had five people in my group, for example. And I still remember um, several of the people that were in my group. And we disassembled pins and put them together. in the uh, the same way that you know, they did, like in the Ford factory, for example, the assembly line, and then we had to market and sell and all the, all the other fun stuff to kind of teach us about business. And I was intrigued by this. So, of course, you know, I had this idea that I'd already done that worked before. I set up a school store again. And so, of course, I wasn't the only one. There were other kids in my class that decided they were going to do the same thing. And it got pretty nasty for a little bit, if I'm being honest with you. Um, 
But the whole point was, you know, we're out here like wheeling and dealing. We're trying to get people to buy from us and not from other people. And I'm talking about like the cigar box stores were it, man. I'm talking about like you had your little cigar box and you had your little, you know, your erasers in there and you had your little grips for your pencils and, uh, you know, different colored pencils and things like that. And of course, they all wrote the same color, but you understand my point. It was a very interesting dynamic to, to kind of have and we would all compete. And, um, you know, you do the, you know, yeah, if you buy two from me, then, you know, you get a free eraser. And, I mean, it was just kind of crazy. Uh, and then it, it kind of it got a little, I won't say violent, but it got a little out of control. And uh, my first year teacher, that this poor guy, he uh, he said, well, you know, we're, we're not doing this anymore. Like, it's, you know, it, if, you, if we catch you selling school supplies, you know, you'll go to, to the principal's office. I'm like, Man, that's stupid, whatever. So, yeah, um of course, we went underground at that point. We're still doing it. And, um, I mean, we sell cool stuff, too, like, you know, post-it notes and, you know, pads of paper with, you know, design. You know, just random whatevers. But um, at that point, you didn't want to get caught. And I guess they figured they told us not to. They'd send us to the office. It, the the key word there was if you get caught, um, which I always thought was kind of funny. Uh, the goal was not to get caught, of course. Um, this goes on to things later in life. You know, I've worked for... A lot of companies I've worked for small business, I've worked for large businesses and corporations and Fortune 500 companies and things of that nature. And the one thing that I've learned is that the level of control changes at each level of the game. When you work for a mom and pop shop locally, for example, when I owned my cell phone store, I was working for myself and for the people who worked for me, I was feeding their families. We weren't buying, you know, vacation homes and private jets and things of that nature. You know, I had people working for me that were, you know, paying for dance recital and, um, you know, paying for, you know, their groceries and putting gas in the car and they're trying to get to that next level. Uh, my employees weren't out there trying to, you know, hustle to be billionaires. They were hustling to survive, baby. I mean, it was all about the that daily grind. And then, of course, you know, when I worked for, um, I won't say who it was, but Can You Hear Me Now was kind of popular at some point in their history. Um, the The layers of confusion from top to bottom was, was very interesting because you got to figure from a, a CEO you know, on a national level, all the way down to the store level, we were an indirect store. We weren't owned by this company. We sold for this company. We had a relationship with this company to resell their product under their, their brand, of course. And so the level of control that they expected, they had people that went out there and knocked on doors and made sure you were doing what you were supposed to do by their company guidelines. So you were working toward these CEOs, um, you know, their, their platinum packages and their vacation homes and paying for ridiculous things. And, you know, I worked in banking for a while and, you know, everything that I sold in banking, you know, to make my, uh, my bonus round was, was crazy. And I mean, they had me selling stuff. I had no business selling, um, just to make it to the bonus round. And I'm like, why do I need five partner referrals? What is, you know, helping the mortgage department. Why does that help my customer? Because most of my customers have either been in a mortgage for a while or they weren't in a situation to, to be in a mortgage at that point. I mean, it was kind of, you know, kind of nuts. But the point I'm making was it started with that small introduction in the fifth grade to this is business. This is what it is. This is what's possible. You know, what part of this do you want to be in? And after having experience in a lot of these different worlds, primarily 
uh, you know, the sales side of the world. Even the banking was selling, believe it or not. Um, you know, you have to look at, you know, it all kind of started from that, that level of interest. And sales is one of the few professions, if you get into the right situation, you can write your own paycheck. And that's what I always thought was really cool about it. So you never know who's paying attention. I don't care if it's, you know, somebody that you're working with or your children or someone else's child. You never know who's paying attention to you. And that's why I try to be careful about the things that I say around others when it comes to, you know, my business and my experiences. Because, again, I don't know what they're thinking. They could be, you know, looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, oh, I never want to do that because, you know, he said he hates it. Well, there's a lot of things in life that, um, you know, they're not for me, but they may be for somebody. So, um, you know. Just always remember that and try to be, uh, if you're good at something, an expert in a field of some sort, you know, put your, your knowledge out there. You know, see if there are people who want to follow in your footsteps. And if there are, mentor those people. Give them some hope. So stick around and our next segment's coming right on up. Come for the pizza, stay for the fun. The Showbiz Pizza Place 25 cent game tokens made going out for pizza an exciting experience. A new concept in family entertainment evolved from the introduction of video games. After Atari introduced the first video game Pong, the corporation was looking for ways to introduce video games to younger players, offering games, pizza, and entertainment for the whole family as Chuck E. Cheese's Family Time Theater, the first location opened in San Jose, California in 1977. A year later, Robert Brock, owner of a chain of Holiday Inns, bought into the franchise while creator Aaron Fletcher was developing an animatronic band he called the Wolfpack 5 that featured human-sized animals. As Brock was preparing to open Chuck E. Cheese location in Kansas City, he suddenly decided to try a different concept and open at Showbiz Pizza Place on March 3rd, 1980. Despite the popularity of both Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz Pizza, by 1990, Showbiz locations were being rebranded as Chuck E. Cheese, the Rockathon Explosion characters were replaced. Using the original animatronic band characters, an arcade bar named Rockafire opened in Kansas City in Midtown area of 2018, but closed a year later. Showbiz Pizza, Chuck E. Cheese, you will sorely be missed. Welcome back. It's 20 minutes past the top of the hour. I tell you what, finding license-free music is a nightmare, but Pixabay.com has been actually pretty good to us. They've got pricing plans for everybody. Not a sponsor, just somebody we happen to use. So, wanted to plug you into that side of it because i got other things I want to plug you into as well. For example... I say that you always need to kind of have something to, to kind of plug into to always build, grow, and evolve. And I've got several people that are kind of my go-tos for different things. So I thought in this particular segment I would share those items with you and kind of <clears throat> how I found them and really what I use them for. So without further ado, let's go into the list. It's actually a pretty short list. So 
One that I fell into years ago when I was getting into the car industry. Actually, I can't even say that. It was when I was in sales uh, for Motorola years ago. I was doing some sales training and I stumbled across a guy named Ryan Stuman. And Ryan Stuman is the CEO and founder of the Hardcore Closer. He has other aspects of his business like the Apex and other things. And uh, I have been listening to him for years. Um, even when he was doing... Uh, some of his first podcast, uh, I've always kind of stuck around and paid attention. And Ryan did all the work for you. And the reason he didn't have a problem giving the freebies away was because guess what? People were too lazy to do the work that he was actually putting out there to do to make it work, except me. And I loved it. Um, I still listen to a lot of his podcasts. He has the Hardcore Closer podcast. Um, I don't think they're as frequent as they once were. But I love going back and listening to some of the older ones. And then he's got uh, the Rewire uh, podcast. I think they're five minutes in length. They're not too bad. But um, that's a lot of where I get like the business and development things. Um, one of the best resources I utilize is uh, phone sites. And I use that for my day-to-day operations um, with promotions and things of that nature. And if you're interested in learning more about phone sites, definitely hit me up. I've got a whole plethora of things I can show you with with phone sites. There's actually a business built into phone sites. Um, So, you know, for a hundred bucks a month, uh, you can grow a business that can net you between 3,500 and 4,000 or even 10,000 a month. It's pretty incredible. If you're interested in learning more about that, hit hit me up. Um, Definitely something I'm on the the road to doing right now myself. Um, So there's a lot of things that are intertwined within that particular uh, hardcore closure group. Uh, Gary V is uh, a content creator, influencer, whatever you want to call him, that uh, I keep a close eye on. Uh, He's been around for a long time. He's got the goods when it comes to marketing. I've watched him work with people from, you know, their very infancy to some people that have actually blown up, you know, significantly. So Gary V is another one. Um, Grant Cardone uh, has some great systems. I've used some of his stuff in the past with other companies that I've worked for. Um, Tom Hopkins was one I was introduced to years ago. Uh, He is primarily in the real estate space, but I have read quite a few of his books, and I do enjoy the... You kind of have to translate it from real estate into sales, but as far as lead generation and getting additional consumers, it has some really interesting uh, ways of cultivating uh, new leads with your existing leads and so forth so and tom hopkins is the real deal he's been around for a while um he's got quite a few uh books and again if you're in the real estate space that's a phenomenal um series to check out one that really kind of on a personal motivation side i guess you would say um steve harvey i saw a promotion for his this is back when it was new probably 10 years ago or more um he had a series called Act Like a Success, Think Like a Success. And it was given to me as a gift by my mother, I believe, for my birthday. And I got the books, which I read, and I got the audio CDs. And um, there's, of course, a book, a digital book, if you will, that was included on the CD-ROM um, that I took full advantage of. And it was kind of a blueprint that's helped me get to where I'm at today. Um, the first thing that you really have to ask yourself is like, what are your, what are your gifts, your talents, your traits? And it kind of goes down a, a map of self-identification of things that you know about yourself. And a lot of it made me stop and think about what are the things that I'm good at? What are the things that I enjoy? So, um, 
Yeah, and that was a big one. And then one that I, I listen to um, on a fairly regular basis, uh, the Rick and Bubba show is a radio show that is done uh, out of Birmingham. I have listened to them for years. I actually started watching them on Turner Broadcast when I lived in Orlando in the late 90s. And um, they're just a bunch of goodens from the South, which I'm from Alabama. I lived in Central Florida at the time. And I'm like, wow, they put goodens on TV. That's cool. You know, I saw some of my people from back home. And I was hooked. So imagine my surprise when, you know, in the early 2000s, they wound up on Y102. And then uh, I think they've been on WLWI here in Montgomery for years. So I have listened to them forever. But a lot of the things that I learned from them is, you know, like the the formatting, for example, like with the podcast, um, how they've built a brand the way they leverage their notoriety and the things that they're famous for the the rick and bubba army um these are things that from the outside looking in you can look at very easily unfortunately even in today's society they will tell you that breaking into broadcasting is not as easy as it once was and the unfortunate truth is the bridge between you know the broadcasting side of you know where i'm trying to get to and the you know podcasting is what i'm doing now um there's a a happy medium that's going to be struck there i believe the terrestrial radio is going to eventually um you know meet with digital and um they're cohabitating nicely now, but I feel like it's going to merge together a little bit more going forward. So these resources are all things that uh, are, you know, things that I've utilized in my business models. They're things that I've used in marketing in the past and where I've gained some experience and some, some insight from. And so they're always looking for ways to kind of understand more about the consumer market. That being said, when you understand what it is that you're after, uh, as far as targeting your consumers or businesses and uh, really going after a specific segment of business, it makes it easier to kind of have a game plan. And the resources that I've mentioned today kind of tackles several different segments of your life when it comes to you know planning a business or selling something specifically to a particular uh, customer base, uh, whether it's consumer or business. So I hope this kind of gives you some ideas to expand on some things and maybe you have some things that you utilize that uh, I could certainly take advantage of. So feel free to go to podpage.com forward slash Chris Black and leave me a message there and, and let's kind of collaborate on some things that help your business and kind of have helped you learn some things along the way. Stay tuned for more on Chris Black, the podcast. Alright, it's 15 minutes to the top of the hour. Welcome back to Chris Black, the podcast. This is our final segment. And uh, I want to thank you for sticking with me so far. So good. We'll get you out of here in just a few minutes. Um, So I've been on quarantine, let's call it, for the last several days and kind of been having to watch some more television than usual and haven't really been able to go and do the things that I normally want to do. So one of the things I do to pass time other than, you know, writing copy and all that other fun stuff for you know, the podcast, I've been doing work remotely, believe it or not. I've been watching, you know, streaming television. 
And um, I've recently gotten into a specific genre that I did not even realize was a thing. And it's basically uh, game warden shows. Um, I fell into one a couple weeks ago by accident called Louisiana Law. Now, one of my best friends is from Louisiana. He's the most Cajun guy you'll ever want to meet. He's legit. And uh, he can answer all your questions. I mean, he's he's from New Orleans. He's the real deal. And um, he's, you know, I, I thought this is pretty cool. This is another way I get to kind of connect with my buddy. You know what I mean? And they're the nicest people. I mean, these game wardens are absolutely the nicest people you ever want to meet. It's so crazy to me. And then there was one called Northwest Law. And uh, I think it was Washington State game wardens. And I'm like the irony because his wife is from Washington State, you know, Spokane and all that kind of stuff. So I thought it was kind of ironic that, you know, they both have their own game warden show. So um, I've been kind of locked away the last few days and I was scrolling through Discovery Plus And much to my surprise, if you like this, then you'll probably like Lone Star Law. And I'm like, don't tell me. Yes, it is another game warden show. So, here's what I've learned about Game Wardens. First of all, they're nothing to play with, all right? These fools have one of the best jobs on the planet. If you're an avid outdoorsman, which I'm not, uh, if you love animals, which I don't care, and if you're all about, you know, preserving nature and all that fun stuff, which, again, I'm an air-conditioned employee. I I couldn't really care less. Um, You know, this is a great job for you. And, of course, they get, you know, dope pickup trucks, and they get these really cool boats and gator tail boats. And, I mean, they get all kinds of really cool toys. And, I mean, they they have fun. And everybody seems to be happy with what they're doing. Now, I have learned with game wardens, they're not about the BS, all right? So... Usually they come to you and say, how you doing today? You, you know, you getting any, catching any fish? They already know the answer. They don't have a damn thing to do but sit behind a tree with a binocular scope from three miles away and watch you dip your net or your rod in the, in the, the water. They've already seen you. If they're asking you questions, it's not because they're trying to play 20 questions. They already know the answer. They just want to know how much paperwork they're about to have to do because you didn't know how to come correct. Or if you come correct, I mean, it, I've seen it both ways. Yeah, I shot that bear. I know I, I shouldn't have. It was against the law, blah, 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 whatever. You know, that's an arrestable offense. You know, it's a felony. It's, you know, fill in the blank. I know, I know. Well, since you were honest with me and you gave up the pelt, which we're going to donate to, you know, the, the needy, by the way. Um, you know, I'll, I'm going to write you a ticket to call the judge and work it out. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So... It's definitely got its own layer of danger, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, in Alabama alone, we have snakes and gators that'll kill you. Um, Not to mention the crazy rednecks, the alcohol, firearm use that I know happens, but, you know. And it's not every day kind of a thing, but, you know, hunters and fishermen are generally happy people, I'm assuming. And as long as they're doing what they're supposed to do, it's not a big deal. And I'm sure they run up on things like, you know drug camps out in the middle of the woods which i mean you see them on the news from time to time but um for the most part these guys are always and and gals they're they're in a good mood man they're happy to be out and about they're digging it you know they love their job they get to go out hang out in the you know the outdoors all the time and you know the truth of the matter is with an air-conditioned f-150 i could probably get down with something like that if i'm being honest with you um you know, these people do this, you know, 20, 30 years and retire from it. Man, I, I could figure it out. Um, I used to work outside for a living when I was in a tow truck. And let me tell you, um, 
that was a different story. I mean, you got to worry about getting paid, making you money, and all that. Man, these state wildlife game people, man, they just they go to work. And get, I mean, money just drops in their account on payday, done and done. They're not out there trying to hustle. It's, you know, it's a passion, it's a love for what they do. But, um, you know, for the most part, I can think of I can think of five people off the top of my head right now. If they were game wardens, they would just be happy. I think my oldest son would be a, an awesome game warden. He enjoys fishing and hunting. Now, I'm gonna be the first to tell you. I was not raised as a hunter. We fish from time to time, and by fish I mean the little Zebco, you know, rod and reel went to Chilocla State Park, and we had a lot of fun. Man, I loved it. My uh, my stepdad actually taught me how to cane pole fish before I learned how to do anything. And uh, we used to go out there with those cane poles, and we we'd fish in these creeks out in the middle of nowhere. And boy, do I mean out in the middle of nowhere in Escambia County down there by uh, by the Florida Alabama line, and uh, that's where we grew up. So. We never saw a game warden out there. I mean, we were that far out. But um, I never did the hunting things. I never had a reason to. Um, I'm not really a fanatic about, you know, hunting. And I think it's fine for those who want to do it. I'm, I'm good with it, man. Enjoy it. Uh, you know, compound bow. Like, wow, that seems like it takes a little more work. But, hey, you know, um, there's a, more than one way to skin a cat. And there's more than one way to kill, you know, wildlife. And I understand why we do it. I think it's a, a great thing. And you know, again, these wildlife shows are, you know, the the game warden people, they're, they're fascinating to me, and I respect the work they do. Um, there really is a certain level of risk with that, though, that I'm sure that, you know, we're all overlooking. Everything in life has a risk and reward component to it, and I think that's one of the things we have to look at when we're making daily decisions, funny enough. Um, you know, the game warden stuff's pretty cool. The, the television that goes around, it's very interesting. And the people they seem to run up on, um, like the party boats and stuff like that. You know, I don't live in that world necessarily, but it's interesting to me to see how these people who, you know, are into recreational boating and things like that, they're just regular everyday people with families and so forth. And, you know, I think the people that get to do the game warden job, it's like going to work every day is a party. So, I mean, hey, that's... Well, unfortunately, our time together has come to an end for this week, and man, I tell you what, this show went by pretty quick. But the good news is I got more stuff for you for next week. I always got more stories to tell, and I got to go out here and have some new stuff happen, so I got some new things to tell you about next time. Don't forget to swing by podpage.com forward slash Chris Black. That's where you can find show notes. You can find archive podcasts, and you can also find ways to connect with me online and uh, interact with me going forward. Also, I plan on doing a live on Facebook coming up very, very soon. So if you want to be a part of that, definitely swing by the podpage.com forward slash Chris Black. Connect with me on Facebook. Hey, let's get social. Until next time, be safe. Everybody have a great week.